Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Good morning, True North. Um, I am so glad to be here with you this morning. And my name is Mackenzie Groff. And I'm married to Lachlan Groff, who's the cafe guy around here. He's often volunteering in the cafe, so you might know him from there. And we have four children. And I have a question for you this morning. Are any of you super competitive when it comes to board games? Me too. Um, I can be in in the middle of a simple game of checkers and there's something in me that shifts and I'm like, we're going big or going home, baby. I'm winning this thing. So I would highly recommend not playing board games with me unless you want to lose. Just kidding. Kind of. Um, we are, have been on a sermon series the last number of weeks on board games. And we've been using um, board, uh, the games as a springboard to know about ourselves and about God. And this week we are on the game of Pictionary. How many of you have ever played the game of Pictionary? It's fun, right? I love it because it's super relational. You can play in pairs or you can play in teams. And I want us to start off by watching a video clip on two pairs of people playing Pictionary. It's guys versus girls. So take a look. He says, in what universe is that a present? I can tell you which team I want to be on. And this clip really demonstrates, I think, the importance of the artist in the game of Pictionary. If the artist falls apart, the game's kind of done. In your experience, what kind of artist is God? How is he at communicating to you what he wants you to get? Have there been times where you sensed that God was drawing a picture, but you just couldn't make it out? Or maybe he was communicating to you and you just couldn't hear him. You're not alone. We've all been there. And I want us to talk this morning about what kind of artist God is. And at first, I want us to talk about what kind of artist God isn't. And so, if you have played the game of Pictionary, I can almost guarantee you that you have come across one of the kind of artists that I'm about to describe. The first artist is what I like to call the barely invested artist. This artist comes up to the drawing board and draws a simple picture, like this, and all they do is do this. They don't help you, they don't do anything else, so they're barely invested. The second kind of artist is what I like to call the bailer. They come up, get their pen, they seem really invested, they're drawing pictures, And then at some point, they just give up. They might throw their pen or walk away. They just bail. Then we have what I like to call the angry artist. This artist is real fun to play with. They pick up a card, and they're angry at the card that they got. Then they go over to the drawing board. They're angry because they can't draw it properly. Then they're ticked off at you because you're not guessing correctly. Real fun. Then we have what I call just the bad artist. They pick up a card, they don't know what's on it, they try to draw, they're not very good at drawing, they're just kind of bad, probably shouldn't be playing Pictionary. Do any of these artists remind you of who you often see God to be like? Sometimes we can know 
who God is. But then the ways that we interact with him or the way that we see him is different. So there's a disconnect between what we know to be true and then the ways that we relate to God. So we can know that God is loving, but then we interact with him that he's kind of angry at us. Or we can know that he's kind, but we interact with him and relate to him as though he's irritated. There's a disconnect. Let me give you an example in my life. In the last few years, particularly in the last few months, um, my daughter and I have been having some health difficulties, and they haven't been easily diagnosed, and there's not a simple solution. And I've noticed that as I'm interacting with or praying to God, I'm interacting with him as though he's barely invested, though he, he doesn't really care. When I'm praying, he's listening, but he's not really interested. Or I'm asking him for advice, and um, he might throw me a bone, but he's not really invested in communicating or comforting me. So I know that God loves me and is invested in my life, but the ways that I've been relating to him have been different. Let me tell you another story to illustrate this point. There was once a man that took walks on a daily basis. And on his walk, he came across a dog owner who had four dogs. And um, the dogs were beautiful and strong, and they were a sight to see. And they would come up to an empty space, and every day the dog owner would say to his dogs, run! And it was just a beautiful thing to see. They, the dogs would run with joy and abandon, except for one of the dogs. One of the dogs would run in a circle right beside the dog owner. So one day, the walker decided he was going to ask the dog owner, and he did. And he said, you know, I love watching your dogs, but he's like, why does the one stay beside you and run in a circle? And the dog owner said, well, when I adopted this dog, he had lived in a small cage his entire life. And so when I tell him to run, that's what he thinks run is. What imaginary cage are you still running around in that doesn't exist anymore? Is it the cage of an angry parent? Is it the cage of a barely invested teacher? Maybe it's the cage of someone you needed to show up and love you well and just was not able to. Some of us, and I think it's fair to say most of us, have had painful experiences that impact the ways that we interact with God. I want us to read a passage this morning. It's a passage that we often read at weddings, or it's a, it's a passage that we like to um, use as kind of like a goal for how we want to love well, and those are good things. But this morning, I want us to read this passage and reflect on the kind of artist God is. And what I'm going to do, because Scripture says God is love, what this passage says about love is also true, is true about God. So when you're listening, think about the truth of who God is. So it's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. And again, I'm going to replace love with God. God is patient and kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. He does not demand his own way. He's not irritable, keeps no record of being wronged. He does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. God never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful 
God endures through every circumstance. It's almost too good to be true, right? God isn't angry at us. He's not irritable. He's not keeping a record of all the things that we've done wrong. And so we can read that and know it, but then for it to get into our being and to be the ways that we relate to God can be really hard sometimes because of things that we've experienced. Not only do painful experiences affect us, there's other things that get in the way of us interacting, hearing God and listening to God's voice. Distraction. Church, can we talk? We are a distracted generation. Now, I'm old enough to have lived part of my adult life before smartphones existed. And I have experienced this phenomenon of boredom. It would happen often in in-between places, like waiting in line at the grocery store or waiting to be seated at a restaurant or maybe even in the car. There wasn't something to just scoop up and automatically occupy my attention. And so in those moments, I would think about my day, process something that had happened during the day or during the week, or I'd dream about something that I wanted to do, or I would talk to God and listen to God. We don't get those moments anymore without fighting for them. Scripture says that God's voice is a still, small voice. So if we're not carving out time where we don't have distraction and noise, then it's going to be hard to hear God's voice. Something else that can get in the way of us hearing and listening to God's voice is an unfamiliarity with the subject matter. So if we're playing the game of Pictionary and we pick up a card and we have no idea what the card says, it's going to be nearly impossible for us to draw anything to communicate to our teammates, right? The same is true for us in our spiritual lives. If we're not regularly in God's Word and familiarizing ourselves with His voice and who He is, it's going to be hard for us to recognize God's voice and to know who He is. And now don't hear this as a reprimand or you should be in your Bible more. It's actually an invitation. If you're hungering and craving to hear God's voice, then get in His Word. It's a great way to know who He is and to get familiar with His voice. Something else that can get in the way of us hearing and listening to God's voice is if we're not in relationship and in community. God speaks through other people, and I cannot tell you how many times I have heard from other people, from God, from other people, and I've had the opportunity to do the same, speaking into other people's lives what God has told me. It's very important for us to be in relationship if we want to hear God's voice. Now, so how do we change? Have you ever wanted to change and tried to change but not been able to? I have. So this morning, I want us to talk about change and how change happens. And I want to introduce you to a word called neuroplasticity. I know, don't be scared. It's a big word. But it's actually full of a lot of hope. What neuroplasticity is, is it means that the neurons in our brain, what our brain is made of, It means that they are elastic, adaptable, and have the capacity to change. Now, doctors didn't know this decades ago, and Dr. Kurt Thompson, who is a Christian psychiatrist, teaches about this. He says, um, decades ago, if you had a stroke, you would um, be sent to the hospital for recovery, and after you'd been there about six weeks, you'd be sent home. 
doctors were under the assumption since your brain was damaged or harmed, that was just going to be your new way of being. But if you or someone you know recently has um, experienced a stroke, you'll know that's not what happens now. Now you still go to the hospital for six weeks of a recovery kit, but then what happens is you're sent immediately to physical therapy. And what happens at physical therapy? You're practicing over and over skills that your brain needs to relearn or to remember. And things like walking, things like writing or talking, and what happens with practice, it triggers the neurons in your brain to grow and adapt or shift in a way that helps you to be able to function in these ways that because of a stroke you weren't able to. Now, I want us to read a passage in Scripture that I believe speaks to neuroplasticity. It's Romans 12:2. so let's read this passage. It says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this passage tells us to not copy the behavior of the world. Why? Just like we're talking about with neuroplasticity. When we practice something, we become it. Who does this passage say's job it is to transform? God's, right? It's God's job to transform us. And how? He does it through the way that we think. And then what happens? We know His will, which is what we long for, right? But so what does that leave for us to do? This passage says, let God transform you. So our job is to let God. Another word might be surrender. And that, those words might trick you into thinking, oh, I don't, I don't need to do anything. I just need to let God transform me. But I would argue that it actually, surrender doesn't happen naturally. Letting God transform us doesn't happen just automatically. It actually takes action on our part. So I want to share with you, as I was talking about uh, a number of minutes ago, I was struggling to interact with God as though he was barely invested. And so I came up with a couple practices that I've been engaging in to help position me to allow God to transform me. One of them is coming up with scripture or finding scripture passages that spoke directly to the struggle I was having with believing that God was invested in my life. So passages like I just read to you about God's love. Passages about God having a plan and purpose for my life. Passages about the fact that He won't stop doing the work inside of us until He's completed. And so, in times when I would feel hopeless or discouraged, I would bring those scriptures to mind, or I would literally reread them. And then I would talk to God about the disconnect that was happening. Say, God, I, it doesn't seem like you're invested in my life. It doesn't seem like you care. But your word says that you have a plan and a purpose for my life and that you won't stop until you've completed what you began in me. So in that conversation, I'm positioning myself to allow God to do that transformation, surrendering. Another practice that I've been engaging in is carving out times of silence and quiet without distraction. And in those moments, meditating on God's love, and also asking God if he has anything to say to me. And if you notice, it's again another practice where I'm positioning myself to be transformed and asking God to do that transforming work, not trying to do it on my own. 
Now, the thing to note about neuroplasticity, which researchers and doctors have found, is big chunks of time trying to do the, thing, the new thing that you want to do is less effective than doing it in small chunks on a repeated basis. So you don't need to go sit in silence for two hours. You can do it for five minutes a day, and that's how neuroplasticity actually works more effectively. So what I am saying to you essentially is that you can, in fact, teach an old dog new tricks. There is always hope. There's always more that God wants to do. Some of us need to learn to walk again, to believe again, to hope again. Now, you might be listening and thinking, you're right, Mackenzie, there's ways I need to be healed so that I'm better able to interact with God and, and, and communicate with God in a way that's congruent with who He is. And there are things that I need to get rid of because they're in the way of me hearing and listening to God. That's, that's all true. But I still don't understand why God doesn't just speak in a really clear way that I can understand, like I do with a person. Why doesn't He just talk to me like that? I want to read to you a quote from Dallas Willard, who is an author, that, um, a Christian author, who has deeply impacted my view of God. So listen to this quote. He says, Well, God, why don't you just come out and say it? Tell me in detail how to live. But we are usually full of mistaken ideas about what that would actually mean. We do not really understand what it is we are asking for when we ask that. Probably it would literally kill us or at least unbalance us if it actually happened. So God in His mercy continues to approach us obliquely or indirectly in one way or another, but increasingly less so as we mature, even until that time when we can safely know Him as He knows us. It is therefore natural and right that God's Word comes to us in forms that we must struggle to understand. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what he is saying is, God parents us a lot like we parent our kids. Who of us would take our four-year-old, holding a sippy cup, set him down on the couch, open up our planner and say, okay, son, and go hour by hour and say, this is what our week looks like? We wouldn't do that, right? He doesn't have the attention span to listen to all that, and he certainly doesn't have the developmental capacity to handle that information. Now, I'm not suggesting that God thinks that you're a four-year-old, but He is a good Father, and so He knows what you need to, to hear, what information you need, and He will protect you from giving you too much information. And what do we do with our four-year-old when it's time to go somewhere? We're going to take their hand, pick them up, and go with them to whatever is next, and that's exactly what God's going to do. He's not on some power trip or withholding information from us. He's a good father. Now, I want us to head back to Pictionary. <clears throat> there is a phenomenon that literally happens to me every time I play Pictionary. There are two people that are on the same wavelength. One of them goes up to the drawing board and starts drawing, and before they have gotten hardly any bit of a picture on there, the other person's yelling out the answer. And the rest of us are like, what even just happened here? And I have a video clip that demonstrates this very thing, so watch this clip. 
right? What is that? How did they even get that? It's crazy. Who of us does not want to be on the same wavelength as God? I mean, I sure do. And as we've been talking, there's things that get in the way of us being able to do that, painful experiences we've had or um, other things that get in the way of us hearing or listening to God. But the amazing thing is, is that God, when we choose to be followers of Jesus, promises us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what that means is that, is that God comes to live in us. If you've never heard that concept or idea before, it might sound kind of creepy, but it's actually a really good, beautiful thing. In Scripture, the Holy Spirit is called our helper, our advocate, and our counselor. And who of us does not need those? Now, the tricky thing is, is when we choose to follow Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit, we're not right away really good at hearing the Holy Spirit or listening to the Holy Spirit. Just like when we become a parent, if we birth or adopt a child, we're immediately a parent, but we're not immediately a good parent. And so listening to the Holy Spirit takes a lifetime but as we grow and mature in our relationship with God and listening to the Holy Spirit, we become more and more on the same wavelength as God, and it's wonderful. Now, if we're playing Pictionary on a Friday night with a group of friends, we're not on the same wavelength as the artist, we're not guessing the pictures, and our team loses, by Saturday morning, it's not a big deal, right? But if we're talking about the Pictionary game of life, like we have been in these last moments, sometimes we are desperate to know what the picture is. It feels weighty, and it really matters, and we're trying to listen to God, and we can't figure out, figure out what's going on in our lives. But can I tell you something? The picture isn't the point. The artist is. We don't need to know what the picture is. We need to know the artist, our artist God. Now, some of you might be here this morning and thinking, you know what? I don't even know that I believe God exists, and I definitely don't know what he's like. So maybe your next step is to ask God to reveal himself to you, to show you that he exists and who, what kind of God he is. And if you ask him, I feel very confident that he's going to answer you. Maybe you're already a follower of Jesus, and maybe your next step is to ask God, God, where do I need to be healed? And will you heal me? And maybe that includes calling a Christian counselor to help you process some of the things that have happened to you. Or maybe you need to be having a conversation with God about what kind of practices you need to be participating in to position yourself to be transformed by God. No matter what your next step is, remember the picture's not the point. The artist is. So let's keep our eyes on our artist God, giving our attention and affection to him. May it be so in my life and in your life. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online 
at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.